Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. Today, we're going to begin session six on when does one receive the works and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're glad to have you from wherever you're listening, wherever you're download and wherever downloading, and from wherever you're studying the Word of God. Uh, we welcome you from around the United States and as well around the world. I pray. Excuse me, that our ministry is a blessing to you. We would welcome hearing from you uh, from wherever you are at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Uh, as I said, today we're going to look at session six of the message entitled, When Does One Receive the Works and the Gifts of the Holy Spirit? I hope it will bless you. We're very excited to bring this particular phase to you. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then, may we be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak as we surrender, sanctify, and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, And may He reveal to us what you want us to know, do, demonstrate, and understand. We commit to receiving it and releasing it to your people, thereby being corrected, guided, led, uplifted, and brought in to the depths of grace to which you would have us go through the study of your word and through being faithful to listen to your voice. Bless us now, I pray, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, as your word goes forward, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Now, before I get started, I want to remind you that starting Sunday morning, I will begin preaching from Jude chapter 1, as Jude unfolds this great plan of salvation in his one chapter. You don't want to miss that. Today we're going to go to the portion of Scripture that leaves the works of the Holy Spirit and moves over into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's get started. We're about to encounter the final step in the plan of salvation. It's been revealed to us in a form from Hebrews chapter 113. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? When Jesus completed this action, a new dynamic was revealed to the believer. This action was the move in the plan of God that released into the earth the promise of the Father. Now, for years, the church in general has rejected this work as an act of Jesus done with a specific time and a specific place and a specific purpose. And then, when that time, place, and purpose came to a conclusion, this action was retracted from the church. This belief system is referred to by those... uh, who believe this to be true as cessationism. Now, on the other hand, there are those who believe in the idea of continuation of which I am one. 
This idea believes that this ministry of Jesus through the Holy Spirit is active and operational today. Of course, having gone through this study, we can see how each step in the life, death, and subsequent seating of Jesus has been orchestrated by God. It's been done so that man can identify with the acts of Jesus and then have them replicated in him as a believer by the work of the Holy Spirit. The last act of Jesus has not been perceived in that way. We can, in our modern world, and we do in our modern world, in general, only relate to his work from the cross to the resurrection. We see these works all as being accomplished in the believer instantaneously and as if all of them were coordinated with forgiveness. Of course, we've shown uh, everyone that has followed us that this is not so, and we've established Paul's teaching to bring that to bear. Each act of Jesus must be dealt with as they occur. In failing to function in this way, we have legitimately short-circuited the dynamic plan of salvation. But larger than that, we have diminished the work of salvation until it has no power to destroy the house of the wicked. Why? Because we remain inconsistent and constant forgiveness. I had a man come to my Bible study this week. God love his heart. He enjoyed the Bible study. And he indicated that what I have seen is that there is something beyond the cross. Well, there is. So when we look into the last act of Jesus and realize that the acts have been replicated in us by the work of the Holy Spirit, we must come to identify that the plan of God was to produce in you what was promised as the last phase of the plan of salvation. Now first, Jesus described what he would do and where he would go for the people to clearly understand where he came from and what his ultimate destination would be. In John 1.1 1, 1, it said in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. John 17, 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Then in John 17, 24, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Jesus was on his way back to the position he held with the Godhead. And that last verse was Hebrews 1, 13. Uh, from the fact he was on his way back to the position which he held from the Godhead and that position being from the foundation of the world. John, of course, in John 1, describes him in his relationship to the Godhead. He does that in ten distinct ways. Of course, I wrote about those ways in my book entitled I Surrender. This description identifies Jesus from the perspective of the Word and describes who he was and what he was doing from his position in the Godhead. 
From this position, he would bring these dynamic traits to dwell among men. Those traits were that he was eternal, he was creator, he was personal. He was life, he was light, he was illumination. He was salvation, he was glory, he was grace, and he was truth. From those perspectives, he would be sent to bring those traits among men for a season. Man would, through his interaction, see these traits and thereby identify the Father through these traits. Jesus would go to the cross and die so that these traits could be reproduced in anyone who believed upon his completed work. Well, let's see. So did his work bring about the ability to be eternal? Yes. Did his work bring about the ability to be personal? Well, absolutely. Did his work bring about the ability to be creator? Absolutely. Jesus said in my name, you're going to do these works. Greater works will I do? Yes. Did his works bring about life? Yes. We have a new life in Christ Jesus, lived by the spirit of life that's in him. Did his life bring light? Absolutely. We are a light that's set on a hill and never to be covered. Did his life uh, uh, works bring about um, illumination? Absolutely. We were brought out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Did his life bring salvation? Absolutely. We are working our ways through each step in the phases of salvation. Did his life bring glory? Absolutely. It brought us the ability to bring honor and praise and glory. Where do we find that in the priesthood? Did his life bring to us grace? Well, we know that we're saved and that everything that is accomplished in us comes from grace. Did his life bring truth? Absolutely. And not only did it bring it, we worship from the perspective of truth. So in every area of Jesus' actions, the Holy Ghost has replicated the work of Jesus in us. What a, what a distinct trait. These traits being reproduced in anyone upon his completed work. Now that comment is critical that you understand because it's how God would use the gift of Jesus Christ in the measures, according to Ephesians 4, 7, that the Greek word measure means portions. The steps of Jesus had an ultimate conclusion. That conclusion was the sending then of the promise of the Father. As we have defined the steps that lead to this conclusion, what we have uncovered is this. There is no place in the actions of Jesus where man can legitimately say, I can stop here and be okay with God. Man must be in pursuit of being complete in Jesus Christ. If man refuses this replicated completeness, then man is opening his vulnerability to the potential of being overcome by the attacks of Eve, of the devil. The believer was meant, now get this comment, meant in the plan of God to receive each and every act that Jesus accomplished, which would provide dominance over the devil. 
The work of salvation ends in complete dominance over the devil according to Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 13. Now let's look into this final action that's completed by Jesus and how it was meant to affect the daily lives of a believer. First, the last step was to be the extended hand of the Father to the believer. It was to be His promise that the believer was to receive. There are many references to this promise that begins by being spoken in the prophet Joel in chapter 2 and verses 28 through 32. Of course, Peter alludes to this prophecy in his preaching on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 as well. John the Baptist, the first thing is the first one to bring this concluding work of Jesus into the New Testament in John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. Jesus then begins to speak of this ministry, and he brings it out beginning in John 7 and verses 37 through 39. As Jesus gets closer to the cross, his teaching is geared towards the conclusion of his actions as he speaks more and more concerning the gift of which would mark the fact that he had accomplished the entire goal of the plan of God. How could we reject this? John has the privilege of writing these verses for us. It begins in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, continues in John 15, 26, carries over in John 16, verses 6 and 7, and 13 and 14. Jesus then says something that is not considered as we discuss the event that Jesus is speaking of. Look at what he says in chapter 16, verse 12, and then following verse 13. I have yet many things to say unto you. Isn't it amazing that the writers of the gospel said the, the books, that there are so many things that are left unsaid that volumes could be filled. Jesus says, now watch it, I have yet, moving forward from here, and he's saying this in John 16, and he is working towards the closing of the gap very shortly into being crucified. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you are not prepared as yet to bear them. Now look at what he says in verse 13. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So there was something that was going to happen. We know that that was the giving of the promise of the Father. We also know that when the Holy Spirit came, the promise of the Father, that Jesus himself was going to speak, and the Holy Ghost was going to offer what Jesus spoke. And that was going to be the thing 
things of which he had yet to say. Then we look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 2, and after that he had gone away, he through the Holy Spirit gave commands unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Clearly, Jesus is telling them, he had, I have more to say to you. But he's going to have to say that to them through the Spirit. Of course, we know that that is exactly what he did. And we also know that is exactly what he does. Because he said, I'm praying for you, apostles and disciples, and I'm praying for those that are going to believe because of your word. Now, what word do you suppose they were going to tell? Were they going to just speak of the cross? Were they going to just speak of the tomb? Were they going to just speak of the resurrection? Were they going to just speak of the priesthood? Were they going to just speak of him as Lord? Were they going to take us into the conclusive action of which Joel has said is for you and your children and for those that are uh, laborers and workers and to be sent into the world for everybody? No, this, this is what they spoke of. They did not indicate, Joel did not indicate, Peter did not indicate, nor did Jesus indicate that there was going to come a time when this was going to conclude. You know who indicated that? The intellect of man who did not want to follow Jesus to the cross, to the tomb, be delivered, depositing their, their sin, come out and be a priest, walk in his lordship. You don't want to miss my sermon on Sunday, by the way. And then move over into the conclusive act where their tongue, their life, their body would be directed by the voice of Jesus Christ. No, they wanted to say we'll get it all out of his word, never realizing that the Holy Ghost was going to speak revelation that brought in-depth understanding that would transform the world and turn the world upside down. So what have we done? We put a boundary and a barrier and a hedge. Consequently, our world is spiraling out of control. Clearly, Christ is saying, He's going to continue to work through the Spirit. So they're going to continue to teach that he works through the Spirit. People are going to believe on it because he works through the Spirit. And the message is going to continue in perpetuity because it was taught that he works through the Spirit. That's what he's doing today in those that will allow him not reject and refuse him. Now we move over into the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus declares that something is coming that's going to do some dynamic things for those who will receive it. Look at it, Acts 1, 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and the most parts of the earth. Well, now, how do we handle this? Because we know the apostles themselves did not go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But the Spirit of God could go. But the message of which they preached and taught and which we believed can go. So if they could not fulfill this, 
but their message has fulfilled it or is fulfilling it, then we have to come to the rightful division of truth. There is a continuation of the work of the Holy Spirit in our day, in our moment, and in our time. Look what he's taught. Power is going to come upon you. With this power, you're going to be witnesses unto me. The world will be open to your message. Here's the greatest thing. There'll be no way to stop this message. There are powerful promises. These are powerful promises that Jesus has just made. At no other point in his work did he associate such success with the measure or the portion of which man was about to receive. This was the only place that these four promises were exposed and existed. So what was the action that had to be accomplished for these promises to be fulfilled? Jesus had to return and be seated at the right hand of majesty. When he was, the promise of his action would be replicated in the believer by the Holy Spirit. So along comes Acts chapter 2, natural progression. The Holy Spirit, which has been declared and shown to us by Ezekiel, how he would come, identifying in chapter 8 and chapter 9, actually comes and appears to those disciples and apostles who are in the upper room. Then Peter begins to preach in Acts 2.22, and declares to Israel these words. Now I want you to get this because it's very important. You men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved by God. So those of you that believe in cessationism, all of a sudden must have come to a conclusion that Jesus Christ is no longer approved by God. That God has stopped the progression of of approving the work that Jesus did. He stopped the progression of saying, this is the son that is accepted and seated until his enemies become his footstool. He stopped that approval because if he, the only means whereby that approval could stop the natural progression of the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the plan of salvation as coming to the wholeness of the believer is that if God determined that there was going to come a time when the work actions of Jesus Christ and the replication of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of His Son from the throne in the Godhead became something that was disapproved for the availability of man. Listen to what Paul said. Ye men of Jesus, hear these works. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved by God among you, by miracles and wonders of signs, which God did by him as the, in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. This was the beginning of his teaching. Jesus, in fact, was shown to be approved not only then, but yet today by God. While he was among them, and while he is among us. His works declared his approval. There were miracles and wonders, a plenty. Now wait a minute. 
Is there a miracle going on in this world today? That's a question that must be answered because if there is any miracle going on today that identifies the approval of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, then the works of that approval have not concluded. So is anyone being saved in your church? Is anyone coming into the knowledge of eternal life in your church? Then if someone is coming into the first phase of salvation, then for a fact, you must conclude that God is still approving the work of Jesus Christ. If he is approving the eternal work of Jesus Christ, then he has never concluded the work that accompanied the plan of salvation for mankind. If there is one work happening that is a miraculous activity and you cannot say that being saved, changed internally, born again, is not a miraculous activity. Because out of that miraculous activity comes a change out of darkness into light. It is a miracle this plan of salvation is. If that is happening in your church and you are denying what is next in the life of the believer, coming into from forgiveness to preservation to deliverance, to safety, to soundness and wholeness, and you're denying that, then you are a party to rejecting the work, the miracles of Jesus Christ. Actually, you become a whole lot like those that were present on the day of Pentecost who heard the work and declared it to be the wonderful work of God. And the majority of them rejected what they heard and saw. Only a few thousand of them were added to the church, changed their mind, and were added into the church. So if a miracle of salvation is happening in your church, then you must express the approval of this man by God. Now, if the miracle in your church is a fake, false miracle, then you would say, I made that all up, and there is no man approved by God. But if you believe the gospel that you preach is bringing about the blessing of eternal life to any man to whom you lead in the prayer that concludes in him being saved, then you are saying, I believe there is a man that God approved. And if I believe in that miracle, then I must continue to go into the wonders and the signs which God did and is doing in our midst. If he is doing a miracle, a sign and a wonder, then why all of a sudden did God decide that he wasn't going to do anything more 
when we had proven to you that the works of salvation are all works replicated by the very Spirit of which you have determined is no longer operational? Huh. These are good questions. This was the beginning of Peter's teaching. Jesus was in fact shown to be approved by God while he was among them. He's also shown to be approved by God while he's among you. His works declared his approval. Miracles and wonders of plenty were witnessed by not only them, but by you if anybody's being saved in your church. You cannot deny what it is you're seeing, but there is a subsequent miracle of which you have both seen and heard. You don't understand it any more than you understand the, physical, the, the visible miracles of which you have witnessed. What you see today is another visible witness of the approval of God of those men who had rejected him. So the promise of the Father is a visible witness of the approval by God of a rejected man. My friend, this is awesome. The purpose of this witness is so that he can continue to share the things of which we were not able to bear. Probably because of a lack of understanding during his earthly ministry, God made a way for us to understand. Peter tells the story of his rejection and all Israel stands to hear truth. Isn't this amazing? Because the promise of Jesus was that the message would go throughout the world and it would not be stopped. The means of his power of communication, well, it was the receipt of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for the word of God. We end part six here, Father, but we're nowhere near done. May your word come into the heart of mankind and may they be changed, transformed by the transmission of truth. We thank you for it all. We give you praise in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Well, we conclude part six. What we're finding here is inaccurate division of truth. And we found it to be so as Peter speaks in Acts 2.22. And we now have to come back and reevaluate what this man approved by God is doing in our midst. Well, find him as Lord. There you're going to find that you can be a servant. Find him as the man in the Godhead and there you will find that he will speak to you and show you great and mighty things to come. May God richly bless you is my prayer until we speak again.